So we are back on the 17th episode of the Benchwoman with Gorgs. Today's show features three interviews ranging from Mr. Barry Hendricks, who's obviously the new, newly appointed Saskatchewan president, followed by the last portion of a five-part five part series of the Unstoppable campaign, uh, interviewing NMU alumni uh, Eloise Webb and the inspirational Babala Lacha. But first, after the break, we chat to Mr. Barry Hendricks, um, who is, as I said, the president of SASCOC. Um, obviously, SASCOC is the presiding sporting body in the country and overlooks the governance and the activities of the different sporting codes. So we hear exactly what his objectives with his new board um, that was newly appointed at the beginning of this month and touch on a few matters ar- arising in the South African sports. So do stay tuned on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay. Hi, I'm Figile Mbalula, commonly known as uh, Razmatas Mbawizi Fligile on Flick. You are listening to Madiba's radio. Keep rocking the Metro Nana. Let's go. You're listening to Madiba's radio, opening up the waves for you to be heard. Welcome, uh, Mr. Barry Hendricks, uh, to Madiba's radio. Good morning, and good morning to your listeners. Uh, firstly, congratulations on your appointment as the new president of SASCOC, uh, Mr. Hendricks. Uh, we understand who you, when you took over, SASCOC was, SASCOC was already having uh, prob- problems uh, ranging from corruption, sexual allegations, the age limit of members, fighting amongst uh, sporting bodies for, and financial issues, just to name a few. Now, as a new president, is there clarity in how these matters will be solved? Yes, it has to be done in a structured and strategic manner. Um, and the SASCOC board will be meeting over the weekend of the 3rd to the 6th of, of December. Um, in preparation for that, we've requested all the policies from the organization's management. Each of the board members have been assigned specific roles and responsibilities, such as finance, such as marketing, education, um, 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 safeguarding, which deals with um, the sexual harassment um, issues. So each of those um, board members will prepare a presentation to our strategic session. 
and then we will, as a team, as a collective team, um, plot the way forward. Yeah, so um, it, it has been stated that Saskoka requested money um, from the sports uh, uh, committee portfolio or, or, lotter, or the lotter. Um, has there been a forensic audit which has been done yet to assess whether or not Saskoka actually needs more funding? Look, there's no doubt that Saskok needs more funding. I think it was in Rio, the budget was well over a, a million, um, 100 million rand. Currently, the lotto gives us 5 million rand per year. And in order to, and have, from what I've heard, allocated 45 million to the Olympics and Paralympics. Now, one must separate the operations, the day-to-day -day operations of Saskok. Um, and then also separate that from the actual Olympic and Paralympic years. We need more money during the Paralympic years to deliver Team um, South Africa to those events. But during the, the build-up, those three years before those major events, we, we run the organization and we prepare our athletes to participate and, and fare well in those events. So in terms of there's no requirement for SASCOC to perform a forensic audit. But what the Zulman Committee did um, 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 recommend was that we do a five-year um, um, financial review to look at the systems um, and then also to make recommendations as to how we can improve on it. Mm. Now, the, the board, obviously, the new board consists of five women out of the seven, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yes. which obviously shows some strong signs of, of equality from the top. Um, but to put things into perspective, that same equality is not really reciprocated in different sporting codes in terms of fair funding distribution between male and female professional athletes. Um, from my understanding, female participation in the country has been existing for quite, quite some time now and uh, obviously face a large degree of inequality. Can you share uh, your thoughts on the matter and what could be done by the Federation to bridge the gap of gender inequality in sports? Well, they say charity begins at home. So you've got to clean out your own home first. And that is why Saskok has adopted a 50% gender equity across all our, our um, committees, not only the board. So our finance committee must have women um, um, equity, um, every other commission that we have. And Saskok must be seen to be leading this charge. And that is why we as the umbrella body have adopted and changed our constitution to do just that. Now the next level is to get the federations to implement those self-same policies. Um, and that is going to be our challenge because you know that sport is a male-dominated environment. Yes. But if we can do it at TASCOP level, change uh, the, the way we operate, then it shows hope for the other federations to do the same. Mm, um Article 12.8 of the Sasco Constitution, which I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of, stipulates that no more than one person per federation shall be entitled to be elected to serve on the board. Uh, it was noted that both Norm Samatlangu and Ilam Khunavat, um, who is the newly, um, who is the newly um, elected member of Sasco, both were listed under USA. Uh, obviously, this yeah. obviously contravenes the, the federation's regulations. To what degree are these allegations um, true? Uh, look, the constitution is very clear. Only one person per federation can serve on the board. Yes. So a federation can nominate five people. But the moment one person gets onto the board, then the other four fall away. Mm. So in the case of, of Ms. Mslangu and um, um, Ms. Grunewald, 
Ms. Grunewald was the one person that was elected. So it doesn't matter how many nominations come in. Um, it's, it's, the constitution is clear. Only one person from that federation can be selected. Um, yeah, so now Minister Natim Teto has made his views of shrinking the size of, of the Olympics uh, squad for Japan 2021, uh, known to the federation. Uh, the federation is already facing um, financial problems. Uh, wouldn't this be a, a possible viable option with a tougher uh, qualification criteria? criteria? Unfortunately, we have to, and, and let, let's say fortunately, the Olympics is not just about achieving medals. It's about participating in the games. That is, in fact, the essence of the Olympic philosophy. Yes. And, but in order to qualify for the Olympics, there are several criteria that our athletes have to um, um, conform to. And that selection criteria is set out by the IOC as well as the international federations. Now, if, if our athletes are able to qualify, it's going to be our job to try and get the money for them to attend. The good thing here is that in our meeting last year, the federations were also clear that they are willing to assist in supporting their athletes to get to the Olympics should we not have enough money to send the complete team. Our objective is to send everybody who qualifies and then one has to review the the the, the situation. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so what you so what you're saying is, if they if if a sporting body or um, a, a team um, um, reaches or, or is um, legible enough to be to 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 participate in the Olympic Games, yes, will they be will they be going then or not? Because obviously with the finances, let's say for okay. example hockey, let's say for example hockey. If they, if they qualify, will they still go or, or not? With the, what, what too early for us to say that. It's, it's too early for us to say that now. Hockey has qualified. Hmm. Whether we can afford it or not is a, a matter that we have to sit down with our various stakeholders, including Lotto, including government, including hockey, to find out whether we can have the finances to send that, that um, team over to the event. Now, sticking on to the financial matter, uh, would you agree that smaller uh, sporting bodies are disregarded and aren't given a fair financial share? This is um, quite evident with minor sporting bodies, um, national teams, having to do fundraisers in order to compete internationally. Uh, what could be done to stabilize the matter? Look, we have, let's say, the top four federations, netball, cricket, rugby, football, yes. um, um, that are able to bring in television revenue um, and they have a advantage over the rest of the federations who don't have that exposure as they do all the income from sponsorships. That is why the lottery was in fact established um, in, uh, in around 1999. It was supposed to be a sports lottery um, to, to assist um, um, sports organizations. Now we work with government to allocate the grants to the federations that grant has now further been cut because of the COVID pandemic yes. and the allocation of government budget to, to, to those programs. The lottery income has been decreasing because of the economic situation that we find ourselves in the country. And, and we also receive, we also though receive funding from the IOC and from other international sponsors to try and, and um, ensure that we function. It is, it is quite clear that the smaller federations do get a smaller piece of the pie 
And that is something that we need to look at when we review the National Sports and Recreation Plan, because that plan should provide the framework and the guidance as to how we're going to further support these smaller federations who are struggling to survive. Now, let's move on to CSA. Um, obviously, recently, um, the way CSA has been governed, was, there was obviously interference um, coming from SASCOC and specifically sports minister in fixing the state of governance within um, CSA. And to what, to what um, um, degree was their interference um, with you guys, uh, the federation and um, the sports minister as well? Was there interference um, in, 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 um, with CSA? Well, one has to take a step back to um, um, analyze the history of the, of the problems. There were issues that, that reached the public space, the Black Lives Matter, the racial statements made by some of the cricket players, ex-cricket players, um, um, against Black Lives Matter. I shouldn't say racial statements, but statements that were that did not conform to the Black Lives Matter. Then we had the issue of the, um, the suspension of the CEO, the Bang Maro, and all of that culminated in a huge furor in the, in the um, public space. The minister then approached Saskok to try and resolve the matter. Saskok um, um, intervened with Cricket South Africa um, and had several meetings. And then the previous board of Saskok recommended to the minister that he um, take charge of the project and move forward on it. The, the members council thereafter with the minister worked on the establishment of an interim um, board. That board has now been established and the current membership of um, Cricket South Africa have approved that interim board. We will now work with uh, both parties, our member, Cricket South Africa, as well as the interim board, as well as the ministry to make sure that um, Cricket South Africa's issues are resolved. Yeah, um, obviously this, um, the National Sports and Recreation Act 110 of 1999, which basically states that SASCOC and the sports minister have the power to intervene in local sporting body, body matters. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, the CSA and obviously intervening with the um, situation within the CSA, and as you stated, um, that this um, Saskoc and the sports minister did, uh, in fact, intervene. Now the ICC yes. constitution states. Yes. Now the ICC constitution states that when its member bodies or lose their ind independence and are taken over by government or political control, they run the risk of being sidelined from international competitions and ICC events. So. I'm sure you probably know uh, this this uh, um, this rule by ICC. So, do you think the intervention was necessary enough to possibly jeopardize the future in, in international participation of, of of CSA? No, and that is why it was important to get the sign off from the Cricket South Africa's members' council. If the members' council approved the process, then it is not political interference or interference from Saskoc. It is a process that the membership of Cricket South Africa have agreed to follow. All right. Uh, now, lastly, uh, Mr. Hendricks, uh, you as a newly appointed president, what would be your personal objectives uh, that you want to achieve uh, within uh, your organization? Well, as a, as a young boy that was born in South End in Port Elizabeth and grew up in the dusty streets of Galvandale and played my tennis on the Galvandale um, tennis courts, 
Um, it's important to keep your feet on the ground and realize what is needed at grassroots level. Mm. Um, and having developed myself as a sports administrator over the many years, one uh, um, appreciates the fact that you, one has to provide stability, proper leadership, proper management, and proper systems, but also with a vision to turn the organization around us so that we can become the best national Olympic body in the world. We are not only an Olympic body, we are a Paralympic body. We are a Commonwealth Games Association in, in South Africa. We are World Games Association and a schools, international school sports um, structure, national structure. So taking all of those things into account, we have to develop a, a pathway for our athletes, but not only a pathway for them, a pathway for our coaches, our technical officials, which are the umpires and referees, as well as a pathway for the sports administrators. Just recently, yesterday, we were informed that the Swimming South Africa um, 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 leader has now been elected to become an international vice president of, of sailing, sorry, sailing. Um, um, and that shows that we need to create these pathways for our athletes and for our administrators so that they can show that South Africa um, is running sports um, to the highest standards. And once we, we have that stability, we then develop trust amongst the, the, the businessmen out there and businesswomen. And hopefully that can bring in greater levels of trust, cooperation and partnership to bring in more money for the organization. And that is how we, we intend to turn this organization around, stabilizing it, having a clear vision of where we want to go, and then working hard to achieve those particular goals. No, that's 100%. Um, now, actually, I actually wanted to ask one more question. Now, in terms, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you want an, an inclusive um, 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 organization whereby all is welcomed. Now, there have been calls of, of changing SAS, um, the name SASCOC just to include um, Paralympics. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? We've agreed to it. It is quite clear. The American Olympic Committee and, and is now called the American Olympic and Paralympic Committee. We have, I have absolutely no qualms with that. How are we going to call SASCOC after that by including the letter P into the name is going to be an, another matter. But um, it is something we've already agreed on as a collective. We will include the, the, the word Paralympic into, into the name of SASCOC. No, all right, uh, Mr. Hendricks. Uh, that concludes uh, this part of the of the show. Uh, thank you for joining us on today's uh, show on Madiba's radio. And I trust that uh, on the way going forward, everything will be smooth sailing, and um, a lot will change um, for the better of, of of sports in in the country and the administration of SASCOC and other sporting bodies as well. Thank you so much. And I just want to stay, make a statement of thanks to you and and your radio station for showing an interest. Um, because this is how we get the message across to the South African public at all levels. Um, and I encourage you to, to continue with this um, sort of engagement with us. And I look forward to it in the future. Thank you so much, Mr. Hendricks, for joining us again on the Ben Shoma and on Madiba's radio. Thank you so much. I look forward to further engagement. So that was uh, Mr. Barry Hendricks. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, is the new, was the new as well. The newly appointed president of SASCOC. Uh, which is the umbrella body of, of all sporting bodies in South Africa. Obviously, they they above SA Rugby, um, CSA, which is Cricket South Africa, um, SAFO, obviously that's football, just to name a few of all different sporting codes into one. So they basically um, govern all of them. 
So after the break, we chat to the last two members of the Unstoppable campaign initiated by World Rugby and SA Rugby, um, NMU alumni Louise Webb and Babalo Lacha. from the most hopeless situation in the history of Springbok rugby. Who was my playing for that day? <laughs> no, I, he, he was playing, I think, obviously, you know, he was playing for South Africa. Um, I think if you talk to him, he, I don't know, do you know the story about the jerseys of the, uh, um, on the back of your number, you had to have uh, family members, you know, you can give him photos of family members. He only had photos of himself. <laughs> because he didn't have anybody else. And they say, why are you doing this? And he says, he's got nobody, his brother died. You know, his mom died there, his father, he doesn't have a photo. So, he doesn't play for one thing, he's just got massive heart, massive heart. Next we have Eloise Webb, who is a decorated athlete and dual Springbok women's player and sevens player, who boasts junior colours in cricket and javelin and varsity sports netball legend. Eloise, welcome to the Benchwoman with Gorgs. Thank you so much and thank you very much for having me. Perfect. Uh, firstly, uh, Eloise, you mind sharing a bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you come from and something interesting about yourself. Um, so, I'm from East London. I went to Khorens High School and primary school as well. Um, something interesting about myself, I would say, obviously, I'm a sport fanatic, so anything sport I love. Um, uh, something outside of sport, maybe education, um, kids, I like helping kids and stuff like that. All right. Um, as mentioned uh, pre uh, previously um, in my introduction, you obviously play cricket, netball, rugby, and athletics, um, competing in javelin events. How did you end up sit um, settling with rugby as the as the sport uh, of, of focus for yourself? Because I, I do recall initially you weren't interested in rugby. Yes, definitely. Um, so I actually played cricket with Zinfle and Pupa. Um, yeah. She 
so she actually asked me just to come and join a um, session there by the rugby team just to see how it is and the fitness is actually good for the other sports as well so i i went once and then it was too contacty for me i went there with my favorite shirt and at the end of the day it was torn to bits so mm. i was like no this isn't for me um but my mom is a type of person that actually encourages you not to just start something and never finish it so she just encouraged me just to go to one more session and see how it is and if if i didn't like it then she would understand then i don't have to go again and then i went to one session again and I actually enjoyed it very much because then we did some passing. We did contact drills as well, but it wasn't too intense. Um mm. so then then it just stuck by me. Mm. Obviously um with the netball and the rugby together at at uh, the, the university, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So I did um rugby um and netball luckily for me my netball coaches at, at NMU were very lenient towards me mm. um so they knew I was playing rugby but when they needed me I played for them and when the rugby needed me I they released me to at least go and play for them as well yeah so now obviously we're talking about uh, the university now with all the sports you played you participated in netball and featured in the varsity sports netball competition uh, as a Madiba's representative um as a Nelson Mandela University um student uh, what are you currently studying and uh, are you done or, or what's your situation at the moment So my situation at the moment is um I still have one module left to do so I'll be doing it through UNISA but I'll still um graduate through NMU so because I won't attend classes like I should um uh they granted me um approval to do it through UNISA only one module and that I'll do next year it's a year module so I'll graduate hopefully December next year. Oh, you didn't mention what you're currently studying. Um, I'm studying education intermediate phase. Okay. That's nice. Um yes. now we we know rugby is it has an expiry date for all athletes, right? For some longer like the likes of Victor Matfield who played in uh, I think it was maybe 40 or 38 something that around there. Now, what are your plans after you retire? Uh, will you use your qualification and become a teacher or stick to the uh, sporting industry? Uh I think after um doing my practicals at at a school, yeah. Mart actually I'm definitely at um education and I really want to do it just to help the the people and especially in primary schools where you can actually still change their lives just by doing something small for them so i'm sure after rugby um i will go into teaching and coaching as well so i'll stay in the sport um way but just by coaching and definitely doing my teaching then mm. now um uh, obviously you are the ninth um player that i've i've i've, I've interviewed now for the women's side Now we understand that um there are some who who rugby is a part-time sport for and part-time thing for them but obviously other outside of rugby they work as well. So for you what do you do? Um because I, I obviously know that you're part of the women's women's seven side as well. So what how's the situation like with that with with um 
with work outside of rugby or you completely with rugby? So for us, it's we actually very privileged. So with the servants set up here, um, we're based in Stellenbosch. So we at SAS, um, SAS. Stellenbosch Academy of Sports. So we, yes, so we live here. And basically our work is to train. Our work is to play rugby, to train every day. Um, so it's it's hard days and stuff, but at least we don't have part we don't do it part time. We can actually do it full time. Mm. So um that's our situation. For the other girls that actually plays fifteens, um, only fifteens, it's more yeah, it's more difficult for them because they have to have a work and do training and mm. everything part time. So I think that I really don't get that because I think that is really hard work to do mm. it and stay fit and your program and everything. So for us, we're really privileged that we can actually do it as our work. Mm. Now, I'm talking about that actually. Do you, if you had, if you had to sit down with with the sports minister, what would you tell him in terms of, or oh, let's say, let's say Saskok uh, or SA Rugby, um, would you recommend um, that they allow the women's side to to be fully the 15 side to be fully a professional like you guys as well in the sevens? Do you think? What do you think? So that's a that's a very good question, actually. Um, so obviously, we want the high performance setup to be throughout 15s or sevens. Mm. So that's for me. That's the biggest thing we want as a as a system, as a mm. woman's system, not even just sevens or 15s. So I think we're gonna get there someday. We we're working towards that. Um, but I think it's really we need that because you need to work full time on training and doing your work in the gym, on the field and as a team. And I think that's the biggest issue that we we currently dealing with is we're not together full time. So we only come in for camps and then you work hard for a few weeks, but then you go home again. Then you struggle mm. again because mm. now it's you're doing it by yourself. You're doing mm. it on your own. And then when it comes to a team system again, then it's difficult because the training is harder, obviously, mm. and you need to work harder. So I think, yeah, it's it it's it's a struggle, but I think we're gonna get there as soon as um, sponsorships come come aboard. Um, we get more money into sorrow for the women's setup and everything, then we can move forward in that direction. But for now with the COVID thing and everything, so that's just a mess at the moment. Mm, of course. Um, well, obviously you study and you have to do practicals as well. Um, I've got a lot of friends who, who um, are in the same situation as you are. I mean, for myself as well, I mean, I stayed at SAS. SAS is actually a very professional environment, very professional, and it's just 24-7 rugby. 24-7 is just full-on rugby. And uh, I just want to find out how, how will you be able to find time for yourself in order for you to, to graduate? Because obviously you have to do your practicals as well as, a, as, a, as you want to be a teacher. Yes, definitely. I think it's going to be, well, my hard bit of studying is finished at least for the practical side of it. 
So ob obviously I'm I'm gonna do one module, but it's technology. So it's gonna take time, and it's gonna it's gonna take me some time just to go and sit aside and actually work and not be with the team every time and the whole time. So I think it just comes to self-discipline a bit because mm. if you want to graduate, you need to put in the work. It's the same as on the field. When you want to do good, you put in the work. So if it's really something you want to do, you're going to make time for it. 100%. Um, uh, Eloise, you were recognized as a ninth member of the Unstoppables campaign um, by SA Rugby. Can you share a bit about the objectives behind the campaign? Um, definitely. So unstoppable for us is just to inspire ladies just to become rugby players, actually. So just to give them in inspiration, if I can say it like that. Like um, we want ladies to know they can start playing rugby. They don't have to be afraid. We want more people to be aware of women's rugby and that little girls can actually play rugby with the guys, even if it's touch rugby or tag rugby or just start somewhere. So mm. um, we just want more people to be aware of women's rugby and that it's actually it's a good thing for women to play rugby as well. It's not something... I had an interview and I said to them, um, I actually hide the fact that I played rugby in high school because I don't want people to know and that's not how we want it to be. It mm. should be something you should be proud of to to be associated with women's rugby so that more people can actually start telling their little girl, listen, if you want to play rugby, you can still go and play it. There's nothing wrong with playing rugby as a girl. Mm, no, it's, it's wonderful to hear. Um, you obviously represented both the 15s and the 7s side on the international scene. Now, personally for yourself, what do you think rugby has taught you on and off the field? Yes, rugby has really taught me a lot. Um, especially having to play all the other sports. And I said rugby is one of the not most physical, but mentally physical you just have to be strong when you you play it at that level because the fitness is tough. You need to keep up with your fitness, with your gym work, with everything, and then still to understand the game better. So you never had a point where you can actually relax and say, listen, I know enough. I don't have to go and think more about the game and I, I just know enough. So mm -hmm. it's always a thing about you need to keep on learning and the coaches keep on telling you new things and you need to actually think about it and understand it so it's really something you you work very hard at it just to understand it because obviously we haven't played from when we were younger I only started when I was in matric so the gap of us understanding what boys understand there's a big gap so we must learn rugby in such a small time and understand all the things and all the rules and everything in mm. such a small space. So for us, it's just to understand the game and just learn as much as possible. Mm. No, Louise, you're saying some, some profound words there. And obviously, I hope a lot of people out there actually listen to, to what you actually have to say in terms of not just in rugby, but in, in, in other sports and for women as well. 
Um, but lastly, um, before we conclude this, this segment of today's show, uh, we normally play a game called Quick Fire Questions uh, with the guests, uh, just to find out more about them. Um, so are you ready? Um, it's very easy questions. Oh, goodness, yes, I'm ready. Okay. 100%, okay. First, first question, what is your favorite food? Um, chicken schnitzel. Uh, what are your main interests outside of rugby? Uh, anything sporty, uh, water skiing, cricket, anything with sport to do and not dancing. Okay, you got two <laughs> left feet. Okay. Um, who are yes, your role? Definitely. <laughs> who are your role models and why? Um, I definitely have to say my mom is my role model. Um, she's she was one of the strongest women I've ever known in my entire life. And hopefully I'll be like her one day. Well, that's nice. Um, um, okay, in short summary, I know there are quite a lot. Uh, what are your biggest sporting achievements outside of rugby? Um, I made the SA under-19 cricket team when I was younger. I think it was in 2012, if I'm correct. I think it might be 2012. Um, that was one of the best highlights apart from my rugby highlights. And um, definitely the athletics part is also one of my biggest achievements. With the javelin, yes. Um, what is yes, your yes. what is your career highlight thus far in rugby? Um, I have to say playing at the World Cup, Sevens World Cup and the Commonwealth Games. All right. Then last question, what makes you unstoppable? Uh, what makes me unstoppable yeah. is just hard work and enjoyment on the field. Awesome. Hey, Louise, that concludes this part of the Unstoppables. Uh, it was great to get to know more about you and finding out more about women's rugby in general. And uh, good luck with the preparations leading up to next year's Rugby World Cup for the women's. Thank you so much and thank you very much for having me again. Awesome. So next we have Babalo Lacha who is 26 year, years old and became the first women's 15th rugby player to be contracted in Africa. Madam Lacha, welcome to the Pension with Bogs. <laughs> first of all, why are you revealing my age? But <laughs> it doesn't matter, <laughs> but man. Thank you. I mean, eventually everyone's going to find out from social media, surely. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just joking, man. Thank you so much for, for having me, um, you know, on, on your show, Gold. It's an mm. absolute pleasure. Mm. Uh, so, for, firstly, Babalo, um, you mind uh, sh sharing a bit about yourself, who you are, and where you come from, etc. And uh, and lastly, something interesting about yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm from Kadija, which is mm. uh, a big township in, 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 in Cape Town. Yeah. Uh, spent most of my life there. Um, studied at the, at the University of the Western Cape, where I first came across uh, rugby. Mm. Um, you know, got into got into um, provincial uh, rugby, which I also captained uh, to three interprovincial inter league titles. Um, got into the the the, the Springbok women's setup um, in 2017. Uh, captained the side in 2019 to a World Cup qualification, um, and and uh, also in 2019, uh, like you said, I became the first um, women in Africa to play professional 15 rugby um, overseas. So in a in a nutshell, that's. Uh, that's me career-wise. Um, anything interesting about myself? Wow, I'm quite, I'm quite an ordinary human being. I, oh, <laughs> I don't think there's anything. 
there's anything particularly um you know interesting i enjoy writing uh, from time to time got a bookworm so mm. yeah um so early this year as you mentioned previously um you became the first professional swim, uh, south african woman rugby rugby player uh, when you moved to uh, spain it seems you became the first in in, in local a lot of stuff now how did this move happen to play play for sti iba i don't know how do, how do you how do you pronounce it yes yeah, sti iba um okay. what had happened was i was scouted uh, when spain came to play test matches with us in Port Elizabeth and um you know with someone with a legal background it's quite easy for me to negotiate my own contract uh we got that ball rolling and uh you know I signed on the dotted line and um that is the beginning of, of a phenomenal journey for me mm. now um how do you compare playing in, in in Spain um to here in South Africa in terms of in terms of playing the the level the level of 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 the the rugby there and in terms of um society how how is how different is the society there to 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 you well uh, spain is quite a football uh, mad nation um mm. the way in which they've embraced and invested in women's rugby in particular is quite it's quite amazing um i just came in and and, and fit right in um their game is 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 a lot a lot faster because Uh, primarily the the players are a lot smaller um, mm. in comparison to South African rugby players our brand is a lot more physical we are a lot mm. bigger um type of thing but i think that you know um my my team managed me quite well and they managed to play around me quite well which was why i think i was so effective um but i i think that uh in terms of level club level it was it was it was manageable um i i, I honestly cannot say that you know i was shocked at anything it was it was quite a you know a smooth smooth transition mm. from South African brand of rugby into the Spanish brand of rugby. Mm. Now obviously you you've mentioned uh, you 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 played obviously for 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 the women's side 15s as a prop. Now obviously in sevens you you were <laughs> you were there as well in the mix I mean the San Francisco World Rugby Sevens tournament. How was that experience for you? It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was my mm. first uh, it was my debut in a World Cup any mm. World Cup um you know uh, i've played uh, student sa student sevens throughout mm. and um you know it was a massive step up um you know playing local uh, student sevens into world uh, world rugby student uh, world mm. rugby sevens um i had to learn quite quickly and as you as you noted you know props aren't the fastest people on on a pitch yes um <laughs> but uh, i had to adapt i had to adapt and i was fortunate enough that our coaches you know used me at my in, in the way, in ways that I was most effective you know obviously mm. you know playing the playing the whole seven minutes you know so the the stints that I got you know I, I gave it my all and and just had a had a had a good time and mm. learned from that as well mm. now um a lot of a lot of uh, the women that play um in the women's uh, 15s and 7s side they are obviously studying as or while they're playing and uh, for yourself are you currently studying or are you done uh, what's your situation like at the moment I I graduated the last year from the University mm. of Western Cape with an LLB degree. Mm. Um so this year um was primarily focused on 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 rugby because I mm. had to leave and go overseas so I decided to put further study or even pursuing a legal career on hold just for a little while. Mm. Um was was your move um going to Spain um because of the fact that the 15s women in South Africa aren't aren't contracted? and uh, obviously it's a more of a part-time thing was that a reason why you moved to spain as well 
Um, no, that was not the primary reason. The primary reason for me to take the opportunity was, firstly, it has never been done before. Mm. So we therefore did, before prior to that, we didn't know if it was possible or not. So mm. it was quite important for me to show that it actually is impo- it mm. is possible and there is a market for South African women's rugby players mm. abroad as well, just like the men are doing. It's an everyday mm. occurrence. So I'd like it to become an everyday occurrence for for, for women, South African women rugby mm. players as well. Um, it was also a great a great platform for me career-wise, you know, just a nice mm. feather on my head. But more importantly, more importantly than that, for me personally, it was to open the door so that South African women's rugby can grow, so mm. that individual players themselves can also grow as rugby players and as and as human beings. Because it's quite important that we become, um, you know, sort of catalysts of positive changes wherever we go. So for me, that was the primary reason. Whether mm. or not we are contracted, we know we are not. Um, you know, we know the situation with with our um, rugby, but that was that was not the reason why mm. you know I made the move. You see, you're the first of everything. Um... But anyway, um, we know we know we know rugby does is has an expiry date, right? Um, we, we like for example. But the thing is, for some some people, it's longer than others in terms of Victor Matfield, as I mentioned to 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 um, Eloise earlier on. Now, for yourself, after rugby, what is your plan? Obviously, are you going to use your your LLB or you going to stick to the sporting in the sporting side of of as a profession? The plan is to merge the two. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly feel in my heart that there is a lot that I can contribute to to women's rugby outside of of, of being a player. So I'm planning on, um, you know, uh, getting admitted, uh, mm. possibly starting an, an sports agency where we look primarily, we look after primarily um, women rugby players. Um, you know, find opportunities for them abroad find bigger and better ways in which we can we can grow them and we can grow their brands so um i'd still like to use my qualification within the within the sporting um world particularly rugby because like, like mm. i said um, we can all contribute positively towards the overall growth of the sport no of course um now in terms of for yourself you had obviously had a stint as as a, the captain of, of, of your side for for you, what is it? What did it mean for you to re- represent your country, knowing fully well that you obviously come from humble beginnings, and I'm I'm pretty sure that we never thought in a in a million million years or whatever that you could be the captain of your women's side. I mean, what well, how was the experience for you? I mean, firstly for you, how was that? Yeah, in all honesty, it's it was the greatest privilege and honor bestowed upon me. Mm. Um, because um, on my shoulders, I knew very well that I was carrying the hopes and dreams of every young little girl mm. who ever dreamed of, of donning the Springbok women's jersey. Mm. Um, you know, everyone who had ever invested in us individually and collectively, the sacrifices that they've made, you know, thought about, you know, our home situations. We share quite similar backgrounds and, and, and life stories. And, you know, all of those things were at the back of my mind um, at that time. And I realized the magnitude um, of, of the responsibility that was bestowed upon me. Fortunately for me, I was surrounded by phenomenal women who were leaders in their own mm. rights. You know, uh, the likes of Zinke Pupa, who captains the Sevens team, um, legends in the game, who's an age of dance, who've been around for, for, for more than a decade. Mm. So um, I was quite fortunate to be surrounded uh, by people like that from whom I could seek counsel. Um, because my career is, is relatively, relatively young as well, it's only been six years. So, you know, I, 
that was my mindset when I went when I went into when I stepped into to into the shoes and I'd taken over from a stalwart as well. Um Sydney Boy was out due to injury. He herself has been around for more than a decade and quite experienced. So um yeah, it's just uh, it's just a phenomenal experience and the greatest honor at the end. It's something that I've changed for the rest of my career and life. So do you believe in surrounding yourself with, with um, powerful people um, in order for you to be successful as a person or, or do you, or you just uh, go about some different uh, clicks of, of life? I mean, what, what, what would you, would you uh, prefer? I mean, what, what's, how's your circle of life? No, absolutely. I think that no, no man is, is an island. We all need each other in one way or another. Um, I believe in consulting. Um, a lot asking questions, asking for help. There's no shame in that because we have to understand in, in life and in rugby in general, <laughs> we don't know all the answers. We are constantly learning, we are constantly learning. So, the people, particularly the type of women that I surround myself is or are women who I know who make you know um, a greater contribution to myself. I in turn can do the same. So, I think that's absolutely important. The people who you surround yourself with. Now, as as you are the last member of the of, of the Unstoppables campaign, or let me say the tenth member, um, and quite an inspirational um, character and leader of, of of women's rugby, or let me say sports, women's sports in, in the country, and obviously coming from humble beginnings. So I mean, what 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 message would you want to 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 give out and to just to inspire other? Women in rugby, not okay, not just in rugby, but obviously like in all sports in general in in, in, in South Africa. You know, I, I always say this that you know, yes, we come from humble beginnings, mm. um, but the most important thing is that we elevate ourselves, we elevate those around us, and we try by all means, um, you know, to 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 become catalysts of positive changes, like I said um, before. So. Where you are from or where you've grown up should not determine the size of your dreams. Dream very big. Dream very, very big. Because I can almost guarantee you that dreams do come true with the right growth, the right attitude, and the right work ethic. I've, I've seen the evidence of that in my life. And lastly, very important to believe in your dreams. I can't stress that enough. Because before anyone else can believe in you, you are the very first person who has to believe in your dream, in your abilities and you know, in the things that you need to do and ask for help. Of course, There's yeah. no shame in that. No shame. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Babala, I think we're running out of a bit of time. I've only got 50 minutes with you um, coming from, from your um, manager. Um, lastly, Babalo, before we conclude this segment of today's show, we will say again for quick five questions with the guests uh, just to find out more about them. Um, I mean, are you ready? I mean, it's very easy question. Sure, it's fire away. My first question, what is your favorite food? Ah, Bobo. Okay, keep it classy. All, 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 all in out, so that's, that's the that's the way to go. Um, what my mentor, Razim Zuzayana, because he's been with me since the beginning and he's opened up so many doors for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beast, Mitawarira, because he's my favorite player and I think that his contribution to... Yeah, 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 and he's a professor and I think his contribution to, um, uh, to, to society is incredible even after 
at being a player. Serena Williams, because she is phenomenal and she's completely changed the, the face of, of, of women's tennis. And lastly, Casta Semenya, because she's a warrior. And I think that um, she too has revolutionized um, you know, her specific sports code. Um, what are your biggest sporting Despite where I come from, Kadicha is not a pretty place to grow up. There's no uh, running around that yet. I've managed to push through, managed to to become the person that I am today, um, despite all of that. And of course, with thanks to the people who've, who've um, assisted and, and uh, invested in, in me becoming mm-hmm. the person that I am today. No, Bola, that's wonderful to hear. Um, I mean, it's um, just to conclude the show, it's, it's been an honor um, and, and privilege to actually interview um, you today um, and thanks for joining the bedroom today um, please do be uh, be the inspirational character you are and good luck with the preparations of, of next year's World Cup because I believe you guys are currently busy down in Stellenbosch and uh, of course good luck with your future as well and thanks for joining us today on, on the Mandy Buzz Radio thank you very much man thanks for having me it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you no, awesome alright that was Babalo Lacha and Eloise Webb from the Smoke Women's side. Not only does this conclude the five-part series of the Unstoppable Women's Rugby campaign initiated by World Rugby and S Rugby, uh, which obviously aims to uplift the profile of women's rugby in and around the world, but also that uh, concludes uh, today's show of the Pentrum with Gorgs. Join us same time next same time next week on uh, Friday between five and six on Madibas Radio, the best youth station in the Bay. Dog on 
got to play the big shot. Knew me back when I was stealing beer from Shamrock, and my nickname was Creepy. If Black Zoo could see me, he'd be tripping. And I bet he still try to tease me. My block, well, everything is everything for Jeezy. My block, we probably done it all, homie, believe me. My block, we made the impossible look easy for Jeezy. I'll never leave my block, my shit is easy. My block, we ducking, haters and the cops. The hot rock, we racing bombers, chrome dot. On my block, it ain't no different than the next block. You get drunk and pass out, and they pack you to the hot. And when you wake up on the cot, you're going right back at it. On my block, when you're that up, they laugh at it. On my block, it's just another day in the heart of the south side of Houston, Texas, making your mark. On my block, when you and all the time playing dominoes, keep the swishing sweet die till my mama goes back inside. Then we can fly. Cause if you told Miss Patty, she went and told Gladys. And with Punchy Mama got it, it was all on the wire. And when the word got back, they said, Joe, fire. On my block, we got some non fed shell shock. We never quite got right. Now they can help. On my block, it's like the world don't exist. We stay confined to this small little section we live in. On my block, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Cause I love these ghetto boys and girls. Born and raised on my block. Look easy, but cheesy. I'll never leave my block. My-